0: All right, well good morning to everyone and welcome to the well here at STSA, whether you're over in Arlington, here in Leesburg, or watching from the comfort of your own home, wherever you may be. We're happy that you're here and I am so glad that you, couldn't, that you chose today to come because you could not have chosen a better Sunday to show up. As we are starting a series called Finding My Way to His Will, we're going to answer the most common question, the most common question that I get, which is probably no surprise to anyone, which is, what's God's will for my life? So what I'm going to do over the next two weeks is I'm going to be very efficient, especially as we end the new year right here or end this year and head into the new year. People are going to ask me, what's God's will? I want to be efficient. I want to just answer for everyone at the same time to avoid as many questions as I can individually. Because I'm telling you, the number of emails that I get, people saying, hi, you don't know me. My name is so-and-so. I live over here. And then they tell me their life story. And it ends with, what decision should I make here? Who should I? Should I marry this boy or not marry this boy? Should I dump the girl or not dump the girl? Should I take this job? Should I move to the city? And my answer is always, I don't even know who you are. How, like, you str- I'm struggling to find God's will for my life. How am I supposed to know for your life? I get stopped in the airport by people, sometimes asking God's will. I've gotten stopped on the street. And no joke, one time I got stopped in the restroom by someone asking me God's will for their life. And if you don't think it's awkward to answer this question and two men in a restroom together, and it was one of the situations where like I was like done and washing my hands and he was like on his way. And then like he's asking, and I'm like, how long do I stay? Like I'm done. Like, do I make eye contact? Why don't I know what to do? And he's asking me about God's will for his life because that's what everyone wants to know is what's God's will for my life. What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? What decision do I need to make? We treat God's will, you remember Indiana Jones and the search for the Holy Grail? I love the Indiana Jones movies. We treat God's will as that way, as like God's will is like, you know, over the river and through the woods and you have to find, solve riddles and jump and you have to find clues. And, there's, and only only a very select elite group of people know God's will and it, your goal is to try to find one of them like the Yoda, like the Jedi masters. And they know, that guy know God's will. So we all run to him to try to find God's will. And my question to you is, is God's will really that way? Like, is God's will a game of hide and seek? Like, go ahead, guess. Nope, that's wrong. Nope. And like, how many clues to find God's will? Is that what it is? Let me ask you another question. I'm a logical person. Does God even have a specific will? For every single person on this planet? Like there's 8 billion people on this planet. Does God have a specific will for 8 billion people on the planet? And if you answer yes, be careful, before you answer yes. Again, I'm a logical, I'm, I, I like math and science. I like things that add up. Look, if God has a will for me to marry someone, and I married the wrong person. I didn't marry the wrong person. I'm saying someone else out there. made married the wrong person. Then that person, okay, they messed up. But then the person that that person was supposed to marry also married the wrong person. And then the person that person was supposed to marry, and then like it just spins out of control. Like God's will is for me to take this job, but I didn't take this job. So the guy who took the job is clearly not God's will for them to take the job. So then everyone and the rest of the 8 billion people on the planet is messed up. Somebody broke God's will in the very beginning. Is that how it is? Well, the goal of these next two weeks is to demystify God's will. And to see that God's will is not the hidden grail. It's not a game of hide and seek. In fact, here's our key thought for this series. God never intended his will to be a mystery. God never intended his will to be a mystery. Actually, his desire to reveal it is even greater than your desire to find it. And I can prove this to you if you're a dad or a mom, you get this. My desire to reveal my will to my kids is, unfortunately for them, greater than their desire to find out. And I believe the same is true about God. It's not supposed to be a mystery. And our goal over these next couple weeks is we want to focus less on the answer, focus less on like this decision or that decision. We want to focus more on the process. We want to focus more on the steps to take to be able to discern God's voice, not so much focused on what's the solution, but rather what are the steps What are the skills that I need to develop and the habits I need to develop to be able to hear God's voice on a weekly basis so I can leave Father Anthony alone in the restroom? (laughs) And today, what we're going to do, we're going to take this in two parts, this week and next week. Today, we're going to talk about what not to do. Next week, we're going to talk about what to do. Today, we're going to talk about the wrong way, the wrong steps, the wrong process. Next week, we'll talk about the right way. I discovered that there are two ways, wrong ways, that people approach God's will. And each one of them is worse than the other one. The first is the game of, if it's your will, make this happen. So if this was God's will, this would have happened. If this not God's will, we play this game. So it's the game of, you know what? Sunday morning, if God wanted me to go to church, he would have woken me up. I didn't wake up, must not be the will of God. You played this game before, right? It's the game of, I'm driving to class, light turned red, oh, well, God must not want me to go to class, because there's traffic lights and everything like that. It's the game of, well, I was offered a drink, so from God, I might as well have the drink, okay, because it's the will of God that way. I don't know if any, any, any fans of The Simpsons here, anyone watched The Simpsons when they were younger? There's one episode, I don't remember what the details were, but it was where Homer was playing this game, Homer was the dad, Homer Simpson. And he was playing this game and he wanted to do something. I think it was like he didn't want to go to church or something like that. And he prayed and he said, God, if it is your will that I skip church, please give me absolutely no sign whatsoever. Thank you very much. <laughs> and that's the game that we play sometime. Well, if it's God's will for me to do this, then he would have made it easy and He made it hard. So it clearly it's not the will of God. That's the wrong way. The second wrong way is just as bad as the first wrong way. I can't tell which one's worse. The second wrong way, which you may think it sounds very spiritual, which is I pray, I open my Bible, I close my eyes, and I... And there's the will of God. You've played this game before. i open, opened, i just closed, and whatever. There it is. That's the will of God. I know people who have been named this way. I know there was a kid in my, in my, in my, middle, in my grade school and middle school who was named this way. His name was Ishmael, okay, because of his parents played this game. So clearly he landed on the wrong one. This is not the way that God wants us to discover his will. Once upon a time, there was a guy who wanted to know the will of God for him. And he played this. He did this. He opened the Bible. He flipped it and he put his finger down. And it said, Judas went out and hung himself. That's the will of God for him. So he said, no, oh, no, no, that's clearly a mistake. So uh, two out of three. So he opened the Bible. He put his finger down and it said, go and do likewise. <laughs> then he said, okay, wait a minute. Third time's the charm. So he opened, closed the, oh, pray, said a prayer, closed, opened the Bible, put his finger down and it said, what you do, do quickly. <laughs> not the best system to discover the will of God. God never intended his will to be a mystery. He wants you to find it even more than you want to find it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17, St. Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time. See then that you walk circumspectly. Don't be a fool, walk wisely. Because the days are evil, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. God does not want his will to be a mystery. It's not a game of can you discover my will. God wants to reveal his will even more than you want to know his will. That's the premise of this series. Before we dig into the specific, like exactly what God wants me to do in the specific will of God for my life, I'm going to draw you an analogy that's going to carry us through these next couple weeks. I want you to think of God's will like a goal on a soccer field. God's will is like a goal on a soccer field. And your goal, like that's the will of God. I wanna to get to that goal. I wanna find that exact point. But before we get to the goal, there's a couple steps we have to take that it's like a progression. First A, then B, and then we get to C. So the first part, before we get to, I'm gonna call the goal. God's personal, the personal will of God for my life. The personal will, the will that's for me, different you, different you, different you, different than you, the personal will of God for my life. Before we get to that, we're gonna start with God's sovereign will, the sovereign will of God. And this is like the soccer field itself. So just think about it logically. The first step to where is the goal is making sure that you're on the right field. Because if you're on the wrong field, then you might find goals, but it might not be the right goal because you're on the wrong field. So the first step is I gotta make sure I'm within the boundaries of the correct playing field. This is the sovereign will of God. The sovereign will of God, to a degree, okay, understand what I'm about to say. I'm gonna you don't take any sentence I'm gonna say by itself. You have have to listen to the whole thing, and it all makes sense when you put it all together. Nothing that happens, nothing that happens is outside the will of God. To a degree. If it happens, it's part of the will of God. Because God allows it to happen. And this has nothing to do with how much you pray. This has nothing to do with how much faith you have. If something happens, it cannot happen outside of God's allowing it. Let me give you a couple of verses. Daniel chapter four, verse 35. It says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants on the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? So bottom line is, if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. If he doesn't, it's not. So to a degree, follow me here. I'm going to explain this further. To a degree, if anything happens, not that God causes it, not that God is doing it, not that God even wants it, but if it happens to a degree, we would say that's under the will of God. But this is the sovereign will of God, meaning if it was not allowed by him, it would never even happen. Let me give you another verse. If you struggle with this, one of the best verses in the Bible is Lamentations 3.37. What's that verse again? It is what? What's the verse? Lamentation 337, I want to hear everyone say it, even across the way in Arlington. Say it, Lamentation 337, say it. 337. This is one of those golden verses that you got to hold on to, especially if you struggle with this. One of my favorites. It says, who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that woe and well-being proceed? Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? So your boss did this, the government did this, did this your kids did this. Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? There's never a time where God is acted upon and he has no control. Like, oh, I couldn't have done anything about it. Nebuchadnezzar did this. Or, oh, this was outside of my control. Your boss, like he's bigger than... Like, come on. Anything that happens to a degree is part of the sovereign will of God. With me so far? But just because something is part of God's sovereign will doesn't mean I would say it's the will of God. Explain what that means. That gets us to the second part of God's will, which is the moral will of God. And I'm going to liken this to, first, are talking about the field that we got to be on. But when you're on the field, you want to make sure you're on the right side of the field because you can be on the wrong side. Like this is the defense side. This is the offense side. In order to score a goal, you got to make sure you're on that side of the field. You may just being on the field is good, but you gotta be on the side where the goal is. That goes to the moral will of God. And this is what we find in the scriptures. This is what God teaches us about how we are supposed to live our life. And truthfully, this is the part of the will of God that we need to spend most of our time on. This is where we need to spend our time because this is where it says things like, it is my will that you do not commit murder. It is my will that you do not steal, that you do not lie, you do not adultery. It's my will that you forgive seven times, no, seven times, 70 times. It is my will that you love your neighbor and you love your enemy. It is my will that you be holy as I am holy. This is the will of God. And our problem is we want to jump to the goal, but you can't get to the goal unless you first make sure that you're on the right side of the field. Think to yourself, let's compare sovereign will of God and moral will of God. Think of an example. Is there an example of something that is part of the sovereign will of God, but we would say that is against the moral will of God? You think of an example. Judas comes to my mind. It was prophesied in the Old Testament that one of the 12, that someone who was close to him would betray him. So the sovereign will of God was that Judas' betrayal was not outside of the sovereign will of God. It wasn't like God didn't know what to do when Judas betrayed him. God actually used his betrayal as part of our salvation story. So it's part of the sovereign will of God. But we wouldn't say that was the moral will of God. We wouldn't say Judas was doing what God wanted him to do. You follow me so far? The moral will of God is where we need to spend most of our time. You're never going to find the personal will of God outside of the moral will of God. So the person who comes, Father Anthony, uh, who should I marry? This guy or this guy? Uh, Which job should I take? This job or this job? Uh, This decision or this decision? Okay, let's hold our horses right here. You came to church last week. We talked about the importance of purity. You trying to live a pure life? No, I don't care about purity. You came the week before we talked about the importance of repentance and a life of repentance. Repent for the kingdom of hand. You take repentance seriously? No, I don't care about repentance. We talked about honesty. You worrying about honesty? No, I don't worry about honesty. Okay, look here, buddy. You're not worried about any of the stuff on the moral will of God. You're never going to find the goal because what you're saying is I'm never on that side of the field, but I want to get to the goal. (laughs) You can't get to the goal without going on that side of the field. You can't get to the personal will of God if you are ignoring everything that God has told you about approaching it. Think of it logically another way, like me with my kids. My kid comes to me and says, help me, Dad, uh, make this decision about which car to buy. Okay, should I buy this car or this car? You didn't listen to anything I told you the last 16 years of your life, and now all of a sudden you want me to help you? Like what? The, my, my will, Like there was a lot of stuff that you ignored along the way. That's not how it works. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 tells you this is the will of God. What's the will of God? Here it is. Your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. I'm not saying this is the entire will of God, but I'm saying this is part of the package. And if you're ignoring this, as well as the verses that say the will of God is, like I said, forgiveness, love, all those things. If you ignore those things, you're not gonna get to the personal will of God. So before we get to the specific goal, we have to come to an understanding that there's more to the story than just, give me the answer of which job I should take. Tell me the answer of what I should do in this situation. You can't get to the personal will of God without first the sovereign and then second, the moral. And specifically, I'll just say this and then I'm gonna move on to the personal because I know that's what we want. The key to the sovereign will of God is acceptance. The key to the moral will of God is obedience. The key to the sovereign will of God is acceptance. The key to the moral will is obedience. So step number one is accepting what God is doing in the universe. Accepting what God is doing in your life is taking a step back and seeing the big picture. What is God working in my life? And sometimes it helps to get guidance on this. Okay, go to your your spiritual father and explain the situation. He can help you see, hey, maybe God is working. Like, I still remember there was this one time, this lady, and she wanted this job, and this is my job, my dream job, my dream job, my dream job, and I just felt like, you know what? This job is not gonna be good for her or her family, and I felt it, but it's not my job to say. So we said, you pray about it, whatever happens, and God kept closing the door, God kept closing the door, God kept closing the door. Finally, she got the job. Like, after, like, two years, whatever it was, she got the job, and then you know what she got? She got pregnant. (laughs) So it's like, hey, Maybe God is trying to like tell you something that he don't want you to have this job. So that's the first step, okay, is reflecting, accepting. And then the second one right there is obedience and obeying what God has commanded you to do. I wanted to think of an example in my life of where I've said this a million times, but I just always repeat it in case someone's watching for the first time, is that when I say stories about me, it's not to say, look at me, I'm so great. Look at me, I'm so great. But I just share, you know, you'd rather me share a story of my life and say, oh, you remember when this girl did this? Like, it's not as nice when you share about other people, you share about yourself. And I'm not perfect, but there's some times in my life where I can look back and I want to say, was there ever a time where I was crystal clear on the personal will of God for my life? And the time that jumped to my mind was actually when I was ordained as a priest several years ago when I, was, when I was asked to be a priest. And why it was so clear. Like there's, there's, there's many times in my, there's never been a time in my life that it was more clear that God wanted me to do this. And I look back on it and it's exactly these two points. Is that again, I'm not saying I was perfect at the time, but I do think I was a better guy back then than I was today, okay, but that's a different story. But I'm saying I was walking the walk. I was doing my best. I was living the life. I was, I was, I was in it for life. And I was committed and I was doing my best to obey God as much as I could. Like I said, I was better back then than I am today. But the other part was, was that I and my wife, Mary Ann, felt like we were really accepting whatever it is that God put in front of us. And I remember specifically, so we got married in May of 2001. And when I got married, like we were both working as IT consultants. This is back when, like, it was very easy to get a job as an IT consultant. They paid you basically to play solitaire. Okay, that's pretty much, I learned how to play solitaire, minesweeper, and juggle. Okay, I learned how to juggle at work after two years of consulting. I'm not joking there. We were making good money, and we were living an easy life. Not an easy life, but, like, we were, we were, you know, life was comfortable, and life was okay, and we were serving God to the fullest of our ability. And then that Labor Day weekend, the, the, the week the leading up to Labor Day weekend, so in September, end of August, early September, she got laid off from work. And we're newlyweds, so I was like, really nice. You know what I mean? So I said, oh no, sweetheart, you know, like you got laid off and they did whatever. So I took off from work, it was the Thursday. I took off from work the rest of that day. Okay, and I called in sick the next day or used whatever day, probably cold and sick, but whatever. Like I, I used whatever, and I said, don't worry about this stuff. Like we, you know, love can hold us together or whatever it was. And, you know, like, and, it, and we went away for the weekend. We found like a bed and breakfast. We said we we're going to go away on Friday and on Saturday. And we went, and we had like the best time, and we prayed so much, and we were in God's word, and we said we don't care about money, money. money. We don't care about that stuff. And we said we were talking about Marianne's career. We don't care about Marianne's career, you know, and she was thinking maybe like to go into teaching, like, yes, because who needs consulting and we don't know what we're doing and let's like make a difference in the world. We don't care about career and we don't care about money, like whatever God wants. And we said, whatever God wants. That was Friday, Saturday. Woke up early Sunday morning, came to church because we were a good boy and girl. After church that day, senior priest came to me and said, at the end of the day, you know, uh, I need you and Marianne to come over uh, tonight to our house. I said, sure, no problem. We did our thing and, like, we taught Sunday school and we did stuff and I was, I did many different things. By the time I got home, let's say two o'clock, three o'clock, and I was like, oh yeah, Marianne, by the way, we're going to uh, Father Bashoy's house tonight. She's like, why? Like, I don't know. She's like, what do you mean we're going to his house? She's like, he, I said, he said, come over to our house. And she said, why? I was like, I don't know why. He didn't say why, he just said, come over. She's like, why didn't you ask? And I'm like, I don't ask, I obey. He's the commanding officer. He said, come over. I said, yes, I don't know what it's about. And then she said, what do you think he wants to say? And I'm telling you, neither of us spoke a word, but both of us at that moment in time knew exactly what was going to happen when we got to his house. And we actually drove over there in silence. And it was one of those like, what do you think he's gonna say? And I was like, I don't know, what do you think? I don't know, it's probably nothing. But both of us like drove over there in silence. We knew, and it was very clear. And even to this day, like I, I, I mean, to this day, when people, I actually never said yes. Like he said, you're going to be the next priest of the church. So I'm like, okay. Like I never even, it don't even ask. He just told me kind of a thing. But my point there is that God's will was so clear, the personal will, because we were accepting what God was doing, that maybe this layoff and maybe this whole thing was part of God's greater plan to make us pray and say whatever it is that you want us to do. And again, we thought her career, but it actually turned out to be my career. And then we were walking the walk to the best of our ability. So for some of us, again, I'm going to get into the personal will for a second. Okay, this is not, that's the topic here, but I just, I can't leave this. For some of us, if you are struggling to discover God's will for your life, let me give you two questions that you should ask yourself. And you should be very diligent to ask yourself these two questions. If you ever want to write anything down in life, this is what you write. Question number one, what is God trying to tell me? That's the first question you have to answer when you discover the will of God. What is God trying to tell me through the events of life, through the circumstances that are going on, through world events? What is God trying to tell me? The second question, what did God ask me to do that I didn't do yet? What did God ask me to do that I haven't done yet? What is it that he commanded, because you know God doesn't give 10 suggestions, God gives commandments. He doesn't give suggestions. What is it that God commanded me to do or stop doing or start doing? What has he commanded me to do and I haven't done? That's the first place that you start when you're trying to discover the will of God. What is God doing in the universe? What has God asked me to do that I haven't done yet? If you answer those two questions, then you know, first, I'm in the right field. Okay, I'm not on that field or on that field. I'm on the right field where God, like there's the goal. I got to first get into the right stadium. And then secondly, I got to get away from my goal, like the the defensive goal. I need to go towards that goal. And that's the moral will of God. I'm obeying what God has asked me to do. Now I am in prime position. Now I am prime position where I can attack and I can see the personal will of God for my life. And that's what we're going to talk about here today and next week. But again, before I get into it, let's agree that the personal will of god the goal 95% of god's will for your life is the same as the rest of us 95% of the will of god is the same for all of us and think about it again like a dad with his child like we're all we're all dads right here and we have wills for our kids okay not like will like when they die like when like Like I have a will for my child and I bet you my will for my child is similar to yours, similar to yours, similar to yours, similar to yours yours, for the most part. Like most of us want our kids to be healthy. Most of us want our kids to be successful. Most of us want our kids not to go to jail. Like there's just certain basics that all of us, that's the general will for all of us. Okay, but then it's that 5%, like you want him to go into the family business and you want him to go into, you know, to be this. And I want mine to be in like, what could be a higher career, like Super Bowl MVP one day or, or something like that. Like we all have specifics, but let's agree that the majority of God's will is pretty clear. It's given to us through his sovereign and his moral will. But the good stuff is that 5%. That's the sweet stuff. That's the stuff where it says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has come upon the heart of man. That's the good stuff that we want to talk about. Today, I want to talk about three mistakes, three things that we are not doing. Next week, we'll talk about three things that we are supposed to do. With that as a very long introduction, let's go with the number one mistake, the first thing that we don't do, and it's so simple that it's not even worth saying, right? We don't ask. We don't find the personal will of God because we don't ask. Like the most basic thing that you would think would be like common sense, but if we're honest, we don't ask. At least we don't ask the right person. We ask. We don't always ask God. Ask yourself how many times you struggled, you were confused, and before you ran to God, you ran to a blog, or you ran to a friend, or you ran to Oprah, everyone's friend, or you ran to someone else. Ask yourself, how often do you run to God versus run to people? People can give you good advice, but we don't need good advice. We need God advice. People can give you good answers. We already got the general advice. Like I said, that's in the scripture. The general advice is there. What we need is God advice. And the only way to get there is to ask. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, very simple. You do not have because you do not ask. Like the most basic part of receiving an answer is to ask a question. But we don't ask the question And we're surprised when we don't get an answer. Now you say, no, I do pray and I do ask God. Let me give you a specific way, encourage you. I'm not saying this is the only way, but let me tell you something that I have found for me has been very, very effective in my ability to discern the will of God in my prayers. Let me encourage you when you pray, anyone who's come to me in confession over the past two years, I I probably, 90% chance I told you to do this is to write out your prayers, to write out your prayers. I, every so often, I come up with prayer cards. So I do this like every, let's say, couple months. It's not really a time thing as much as like a season thing. So what I will do is I will sit down and I'll spend like, an, I'll spend like two hours. I'm not saying like for five, I'm sp- I spend like two hours and I think through very thoughtfully, what is it exactly that I want God to do in my life? What is it that I want God to do in my children? So Instead of just, please, God, bless Michael, bless Lizzie, bless Marianne, bless our marriage. I don't know what that means. Like, I am blessed. Like, I don't know anyone who's been more blessed than me. So when I say God blessed, like, okay, God's like, done. What? Like, that's it? So we're good now? Like, I'm blessed? No, what is it specifically that I want? And I'm telling you, for me, that's a game changer because I'll take those prayer cards, I put them in my prayer book, in my journal, and every morning when I stand to pray, I have seven cards, okay, with <clears throat> they're broken out in their categories, and things like that. Every morning when I pray, I pull out two prayer cards and I read those prayers. I have with the title, then I have a verse that, that correlates and then I have specific prayer requests. And the specific prayer requests always begin with a verb. They have to begin with a verb. Can't be like to be, no, a verb. This is what I want God to do. And I'll read those two prayer cards. And then I'll say my prayer. And now my prayer... You know what's running through the back of my mind? There's like a purpose to it. And there's like a reason. There's something that it's committed to. And I'll say my prayers. And then at the very end, I'll go back to my prayer cards. And that will lead me in a time of personal prayer. And I'm telling you, this is a game changer. Because you won't realize what God is going to do in your life. You won't realize until you write it down. And you give him a chance to answer those prayers. And when you do this, let me give you a little tip here. Focus your prayers On outcomes, not on details. Focus on outcomes, not on details. Focus on the big picture, not the minutiae. What I mean, don't say, please, God, help my daughter to do her homework. That's minutiae. Pray, please, God, make my daughter a responsible student. You see the difference? Don't pray, please, God, give me this promotion. Pray, please, God, give us stability financially, to be able to serve you with all that we got. Don't pray, please, God, let this girl say yes. Please let her say yes. Say, please, God, lead me to the right girl that's gonna lead me closer to you. Do you see the difference? One of them, when you pray for the details, it's kind of like God is working for you and like, okay, God, like I need this. Hurry up and get this. The other one is like, God, you're God and I don't know what it is that I need, but all I know is I need you. And if I, want to be, if I want my kids to be responsible, I got nothing other than you. And if I want to find a godly relationship, I got nothing other than you. And if I want to be successful in life, I got nothing other than you. Give him the problem. Let him figure out the steps to get to the solution. You see how this works? This is important because what I discover, if you open the scripture and you see the miracles that Jesus did, when Jesus worked in people's lives, it is very rare that he worked the same way twice. It is very rare that he worked the same way twice twice. Sometimes Jesus would heal by touching. Sometimes he would heal but just by speaking. Sometimes he would heal when he's not even in the room. One time he healed a guy by taking some dirt, spitting a loogie into it, and smacking it on the guy's face. We're not married to the process. We're not saying, God, that's what I need. God, hit me in my face with some mud. That's what I need. Give me some spit filled mud in my eye. We don't need that spit-filled mud in the eye. And imagine if the disciples had thought, yeah, the key is the mud, and they just went everywhere, and they just started spitting and putting mud in people's face. No, 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 no. What they did is they prayed, God, we know you want to heal by touch, by word, by faith. Same thing. Don't get stuck on one way that God works. God's mercies are new every morning, Okay, he had come to make all things new. And he wants to work in your life, in your family's life in a new way. So give him a chance. How? For every one of our mistakes, when I come up with an action item and it's very intuitive, start asking. Start asking. Start asking. Start asking. And you notice I didn't say ask because the goal is not to ask. God reveal your will in this. That's not the goal. It's start asking. Make the prayer record, write out your request, And be committed to every single day praying, God, reveal your will to me about blank. Reveal your will to me about blank. Show me the direction you want me to take about blank. Be specific in your request and don't just pray tomorrow or the next day. Be committed, start asking and leave the details to him, okay? Number one mistake, we don't ask. Number two, we hear what we wanna hear. We hear what we wanna hear. Like if there's ever been something That is is more true in the world today. People hear what they want to hear and we do the same thing with God. You know, you know this, right? Like I've told you this before. You can make God say whatever you want him to say. Like I've told you this before. You tell me what you want to do. I'll find you four or five Bible verses to validate you. You tell me what you want. You tell me what it is that you want to convince yourself is from God. You can manipulate yourself into believing. Yes, and I'm telling you, I as a priest, I'll help you out. I can find you a couple Bible verses to support and build your case. This is like me when I used to say that, you know what? Clearly, clearly God wants me to sit and watch football all day on Sundays. You know why? Because he made the games on Sundays. That's like his day off as well. So it's like his rest day, he put football on. So clearly that's what God is doing on Sundays. So clearly it's the will of God that everyone just sit on the couch and watch football all day. Not necessarily the will of God. See, I said necessarily the will of God. Okay, it could be. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. According to their own desires, that's the key verse right there, the key sentence. We do this all the time. We convince ourselves that, you know what, I'm pretty sure that God does not want me to take this job, but you know what, the extra money means I can extra give, and you know what, the, 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 the boss there and the whole place is lost, so I'll be like a missionary to over there. Like, we convince ourselves of what we want to convince ourselves. I heard people convince to me about relationships. And you're like, I'm like, this relationship, I don't know if it's the best for you. But no, 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 don't worry. Yeah, we make a mistake, and yeah, we fool around, and yeah, we do this. But don't worry, we pray together, and we do quiet time together. And like, what? Since, what? like, we do quiet time together? And somehow that you convinced yourself? That you're gonna do all kinds of sin, but don't worry, we said quiet time together, so therefore it must be from God. We hear what we want to hear, so therefore, the action item here is start listening. Stop telling God, stop trying to convince God, stop trying to sell God on your will. It's like, no, God, no, you know, really, no, that's not that bad. Oh, no, 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 it'll work out. Stop. If you have to sell it to yourself and to God, stop it. Start listening to what God is trying to tell you. I told you that I get asked the question all the time, what does God want me to do? What's the right answer? What should I do? I don't answer that question anymore because you know what I discovered the majority of time? The majority of time, especially when it's someone I don't know, who's coming to ask me what I should do in this situation, the majority of time, it's somebody who's asked five other people before me and not gotten the right answer that he wanted. And he just came to me, changed a few of the details and said, yes, Father Anthony told me that this is okay to do. That's what we do. I remember one time I was asked, true story. One time I was asked about, you know, my girlfriend and we're starting to, you know, approach marriage and, you know, we uh, were considering living near each other. And Father Anthony, it's a good idea for me to live near my girlfriend. So on the surface, you're like, yeah, you get to know each other better. But then I discovered live near meant his and her sinks in a one-bedroom apartment. That's what near, living near each other meant. So I'm saying, come on, like we can can deceive ourselves in whatever it is that we want. We got to be honest. That's why I don't give answers to this question. What I give is truth. What I say is, I don't know if you're supposed to be with this girl or not, but I'm telling you, if you're fooling around before marriage, not the will of God. Can't be. No matter how much you pray or you do your little quiet times together. I'm telling you, if you neglect your family because you want to make extra money, never the will of God. Your family doesn't need the extra money. They need you at home. There's never a time where disobeying the moral will of God can ever lead you to finding the personal will of God. Because that's the wrong side of the field. The only way to get to the goal is to be on that side of the field. So if you're disobeying the moral will of God, then you will not find the personal will of God. It's that simple, okay? So number one, we don't ask, start asking. Number two, we hear what we want to hear, start listening. Number three is we rely too much on logic. Now notice the key word I said is too much because anyone knows me, I'm all about logic. So I'm not saying we don't use logic. God gave us logic. Christ himself is the Logos, the logic of the Father. But there's a difference between using logic and relying on logic. I'm a logical person. I like to figure things out. I like to look at patterns. I like past behavior predicts future events. So I like to see, in the past it was A and then B, so therefore in the future must be C and then D. That's not a bad way. But in the end, we gotta realize that God doesn't always use logic. Or I should say, God doesn't always use my logic. Not that God is illogical, but God is above logic. We can say theological. God is not against logic, but he's above it. And just as you, as a parent, with your kids, you realize that there's some things that you may say that are illogical to them, but that doesn't mean they're illogical. Like, right, like when we were kids, I don't want vegetables. I want chocolate. No, you can't eat chocolate. That's an illogical statement. If you're a three-year-old, that's an illogical statement. Chocolate tastes better than Brussels sprouts. Of course I can. Like, why not? Wouldn't I not eat chocolate? To a child, it doesn't fit with their logic, but it doesn't mean it's against logic. It just means it's above their ability to understand it. The same is true between us and God. One time when I was back in college, I was playing basketball, and... I turned my ankle. So I, I sprained it. It wasn't that bad of a sprain, okay, but it was enough where I, I should have stopped playing. The problem was, I didn't stop playing. Anytime, by the way, anytime you see me injured or something like that, nine out of 10 times something happened and I kept on playing and made it 10 times worse. That was one, the situation. I should have stopped playing, but I remember seeing when NBA athletes, like when Michael Jordan turns his ankle, he doesn't stop playing. He keeps playing because he needs to keep it loose. Okay, and that's what they would say is that he wouldn't sit, he would keep it loose. And I don't know what keep it loose, like, I don't know what's in there that needs to be loose, the juices, I don't know what's in there. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to stop playing. I'm going to keep on playing. I'm going to keep the juices loose in there. I played for like another hour and a half, and I was feeling good. It was like, the adrenaline, whatever it was. I knew when I went to bed that night, it was not going to be good in the morning. I woke up in the morning, couldn't stand on it, went to the doctor. I ended up being on crutches for like three months. And I told the doctor the story. She's like, what happened? I'm like, you know, I was playing basketball, and then I turned my ankle. She's like, okay, then what? I'm like, then I played for another hour and a half. (laughs) And I was, like, very proud of myself, like, you know, like like Michael Jordan. No joke. These are her exact words. She said, that was the dumbest thing you could have done. And I was like, no, doc, didn't you see when Michael, and she's like, that was the dumbest thing that you could have done. And she told me that the stuff doesn't need to be loose, apparently, okay? It needs to rest is what it needs. But she told me how dumb I was. Here's the doctor, and was well. In her eyes, it was a much greater difference. Okay, like, here's my stupidity, and here was that doctor. What's the difference between me and the doctor versus me and God? Like, my logic was, play on. And her logic was, that's pretty dumb. Compare the difference between me and that doctor to me and God. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 tells us the difference. "'Cause my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth.'" As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Anytime you want to know how much more God is above you, you just look outside when there's the moon or the sun and you see, how long would it take me to get to that sun? How long would I have to travel to get up there? How long before, like, if I, if I, if I, if I run as fast as I can, I take the fastest plane and I want to go straight to the moon. How long would it take me to get up there? It'd Take me quite a bit of time. That's the distance that God says is between your logic and his logic, your ways and his ways, the way you look at a problem, and the way he looks at a problem. So it's not that God is illogical. It's that God is above it. One time, Jesus was with a group of disciples, a group of 12 Middle Eastern men. And he saw in front of them 5,000 men plus women and children, 20,000 people. And he told to these 12 Middle Eastern men, let's make lunch. And these men have never made a sandwich in their life. And he said, I got a great idea. We're going to feed these guys lunch said, that's illogical. Nope. One time he had Moses, who had two million Egyptians behind him, two two, uh, Hebrews coming out of Egypt. And all of a sudden, there's a Red Sea in front of him. Moses was like, okay, God, what's the plan? Helicopter? Jetpack? A boat? God said, no, I got a much better plan. Let's go through the sea. And Moses said, no, see, that's illogical because people don't go through seas. But God said, Let's go through it. Not that God is against logic, but God is above it. We're about to celebrate Christmas. If you're going to send a child into the world, the one person you can't use to send a child into the world is a virgin. <laughs> like, that's the one that biology teaches us. You can choose anyone. You can't choose a virgin. A virgin can't have a baby. God says, no, I think we're going to, to choose a virgin. God is not limited by logic. He's way above it. And until you get this, you will struggle with God's will. Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. I'm giving you some golden verses. So you, if you struggle with this stuff, some golden ones here you need to write down and memorize. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do you know what it means? He shall direct your paths. That's the personal will of God. That's what the whole point of this series is all about. He shall get me to the gold. He shall get me to the place where I am in his will. But how? I trust in him with all my heart. I lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I acknowledge him. And he shall direct my path. So we're gonna start asking. We're gonna start listening. And then, man, we need to start trusting. We need to do our part in asking and listening. But then we need to take a step back and trust that the asking and the listening will pay off and God will lead me. His personal will. Logic says you're struggling financially. You want to be generous, but you're struggling. Logic says you should get a promotion, you should get a raise, then you'll be very generous to give. God says, actually, the exact opposite happens. You incur all kinds of financial problems, and now I want you to be generous. Logic says that's not how it works, God. Logic says, no, make me more prosperous, then I'll be more generous. God says, "Uh uh-uh, trust me. Logic says you wanna get married, need to date more. But I'm telling you, sometimes God says you need to date less in order to get married. You need to take a step back from the dating. You need to take a little break and figure yourself out. But you say, not dating is gonna get me further from the goal, and I'm telling you, no. And God's logic is actually gonna get you closer. You say, it's a busy time. I don't have time for church now. It's a busy time and I'm gonna look in the camera on this one because the people who are sitting here probably may be hopefully not saying that. You say it's a busy time and I can't make it to church. Uh, it's COVID and we don't want germs and, 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 and you know, it's just a busy time and, and we're just gonna watch online, whatever it may be. And I tell you, it's exactly, it's exactly when you're at your busiest time. It's exactly when you're at your most stressed. It's exactly when you're at your most overwhelmed, your most anxious. That's when you need church the most because my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your, jo- your thoughts. I oftentimes feel God telling me, Your job, he's telling this to me, but I'm telling this to you. Your job is not to judge me, is not to command me. Your job is to seek my will sincerely. My role isn't to judge God. My role isn't even to understand the will of God. My role isn't to tell God this is how it's supposed to go. My role is to seek it sincerely. And that, my friends, is the number one factor to discovering the will of God, which we're gonna talk about next week. Just kind of laying the foundation today. But this is it right here. This is the foundation. The number one factor in you discovering the will of God is seeking it sincerely. Like we talk about the will of God. There's like my desire to find it and the techniques. And we spend 90% of our time focused on the technique of like what prayer do I pray or what passage should I read? The technique, I promise you, Finding the will of God is 90% desire, 10% technique. We spend 90% of our time discussing the technique and only 10% of our time focused on the desire and we got it backwards. The majority of finding the will of God is not which, which Psalms you read or it's not which book you're reading in the Bible. The majority of finding the will of God is seeking it sincerely because so God does not want his will to be a mystery. It's not a game of hide and seek. He wants to reveal it more than you want to find it. And the way that we're gonna find it is we're going to start asking. We're going to start listening and we're going to start trusting. When we do that, let me give you some verses that you're going to discover. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says the same thing. You will seek me and find me when you search for me. With all your heart. Now, you look at that and say, okay, but I did ask and I did trust and I did. And I'm telling you, it's similar to me saying, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm going to Florida. And I tell you, okay, the way to get to Florida, go 95 South. And then you say, okay, uh, Father Anthony, you were wrong. I drove on 95 South for like 30 minutes, actually 45 minutes, even an hour, and I didn't find Florida. What my response to that would be keep driving, man. Keep driving. So yeah, I asked and I listened and I trusted. Yeah, keep going. Because it's not saying that you get on 95 and you hit Florida. It's saying when you get there, you keep going and you keep going and you trust that at the end of 95 South, you find the destination, Florida. And I'm telling you, at the end of asking, the end of listening, the end of trusting, you will find God when you search for him with all your heart. Last verse, Hebrews 11, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's a rewarder of those who don't look for shortcuts, who don't want magic gimmicks, but those who say, you know what? Let's roll up the sleeves. Let's ask. And asking is hard because I ask and I get nothing in return right away, but I'm gonna commit to ask. Number two, I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna read his word. I'm gonna look at those signs in the world and I'm not gonna manipulate it to convince God of what I want. I'm gonna listen sincerely. And then number three, I'm going to trust. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be generous even when I can't. I'm going to love even when I don't want to. I'm going to forgive even when it's hard. Like I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to trust that if I continue to do that, continue to ask, continue to uh, listen, continue to trust, he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The key to finding God's will isn't about anything you do as much as about your attitude and how you seek it sincerely and diligently. Next week, We'll look at the three steps, the positive steps, okay? But we're going to lay the foundation. This, is, this week is like preparing the soil. Next week, we'll plant the seed. So I hope that you will join us again next week um, as we continue this series. For now, let's stand up for a prayer. <clears throat> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you don't hide your will from us, that your desire to reveal it is even greater than our desire to discover it. I pray that as we wrap up this year and we prepare to enter the new year, that we would be closer to your personal will for our life by understanding what it is that you desire for us. Give us the patience and the courage and the perseverance to keep asking, keep, keep listening, and keep trusting that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. We ask these things in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and prayers of all your saints. Here's as we pray thankfully I hope you guys enjoyed part one in our series.